0: Good morning and welcome, everybody. You're listening to the Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and
1: Joel. Good Joelle. morning, everyone.
0: Yes, and we're great to have you on the show here this morning. well, tell me, what are you thankful for this morning?
1: I am thankful for sandwich layered cakes. Have you heard of that before?
0: I don't know that I have. It's A amazing. sandwich layered cake. So
1: my friend's from Sweden and it was his birthday. So he made a couple of these cakes. So it's basically so he made
0: himself a birthday cake.
1: He made three actually. He made himself a <laughs> <three> birthday cake. <laughs> to celebrate cakes. with friends, yes. Okay, this guy's so, my
0: hero right now.
1: Oh, uh, It's great. So it's basically layers of... Slices of bread, and then in between those layers, it, he put feta cheese, he had eggplant, red pesto, and then once everything was laid up, he put cream cheese around everything, and then he decorated it with some vegetables. So it's a savory, it's a, a savory, savory cake. item. Yeah, and then you need to freeze it or just put it in the fridge for a little bit. Um, so all the flavors just mixed together. It was so good.
0: My you mouth is is it. my mouth is absolutely watering right now. So good. at the thought of this kind of cake. And the thing I like about this kind of cake is it's going to be low sugar, I would imagine. Yeah. Compared to normal cake, you know, normal cake is just like Definitely. solid sugar. it's so
1: filling. You don't even need that many pieces. It's so worth it.
0: So you can actually have you can have a guilt free meal of cake. Is that yes, what I'm hearing?
1: Absolutely. I no <laughs> would want that? What are you thankful for today?
0: I am thankful for. Um, Um, State Forests this morning. I'm going to be thankful for State Forests this morning because, yeah, these are places that the state is going to use to make money and, you know, to to do various industries and so forth. But they're available for us to enjoy as well. And so this morning, I'm going to be thankful for State Forests. I think they're just a fantastic idea and we should all get out and enjoy them. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's have some positively different news this morning. Lots of negative things in our world. Joelle, make us us happy this morning.
1: (laughs) Too much pressure. Um, So obviously because of COVID-19, many people have been affected, especially businesses. And I just can't imagine that type of pressure to decide how do you maintain your business amidst um, the new regulations, um, with staff, you know, not sure if they even want to come to work as well.
0: Particularly if so, you work in like something like tourism or something.
1: Exactly, and that's a per. And that's the segment we're going to talk about today. Um, so in the tourism industry, obviously there are many hotels, right? And these hotels have had to make some major decisions. Well, there's a hotel in England named the Founds Hotel, and um, it's a 60 room hotel who normally charge about 155 pounds per night. And I believe that's about two hundred and eighty three Australian dollars. So obviously they're catering to people who have the money to enjoy that time away. But they decided they were actually going to stay open during the restrictions. But instead of um, staying open for tourists who have obviously decreased, they were going to provide shelter for homeless people.
0: Oh, wow. During the
1: pandemic, yeah. So they um, more than 45 homeless people have been staying at the hotel since about March when the restrictions were put in place. And um, obviously the hotel, you know, they're very good at catering. So they have been providing three meals a day um, to these individuals. And again, to limit the spread of the virus, they just provide um, all the meals in containers. They deliver it um, to the rooms room service um, like everyone enjoys and the people who are staying in the hotels they're like you know the place is excellent the food is excellent and they're just enjoying this experience Um, one of the Homeless men were saying, he's never slept in a double bed before. (laughs) That's
0: amazing.
1: He's just enjoying um, the luxury. But, you know, as we mentioned yesterday, when people are kind, it inspires you to be kind as well. Absolutely. And um, these homeless people have been trying to do odd jobs around the hotel. So they've been helping with the gardening. They've been cleaning rooms. They've actually been building walls and patios. um, I guess as an expression of thanks and also gives them purpose. Um, during this uncertainty. But not only have they been provided with rooms, the hotel has actually linked up with a charity organization to run workshops um, through. the is days. This is amazing. The
0: story just gets better and better. It gets
1: better and better. And um, so here at these workshops, they deal with very serious things like addictions. Um, they talk about how to find benefits. They talk about how to actually look for future accommodation. And I really love that because it's so easy to help people um, in the moment, but how do you help them in the future as well. How can you sustain them to live well um, going forward when we're out of this crazy situation? So, yeah. That was, yeah. was
0: okay. going to be my my next big question is, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean when, when the hotel next? when the hotel goes back to normal operation then what then what takes place? That's
1: a good question. So exactly that's why these workshops are really empowering these individuals um, to stand on their feet once things go back to normal as we would. This is say.
0: a very interesting story. Um Shell and I had a holiday planned for yeah, I think it was like uh, June, July, June July, And we had a you know, a resort marked out that we were going to be visiting in a developing country. Mm-hmm. Um, as a part of that hotel, we're going to spend some time with the family in the States and then head down to you know, Mexico, which is fairly small, f- fairly uh, poor country. There's uh, a few archaeological sites and so on down there that I'd like to go and research because uh, that's what I love to do is history and so forth. Anyway, um, they had they were faced with an interesting situation when mm-hmm. they closed the resort because… All of their staff were relatively you know, poor people who were in rental accommodation and were in the process of being tossed out of their rental accommodation because they were no right. longer employed. They just all lost their jobs. Yeah. And so they took all of their staff and moved them into the resort. Oh, wow. Just like that. Everyone just got to just move the whole lot in. And oh, when one lovely. we reopen, then you'll be able to go and rent again. So, yeah, yeah that was a uh, – it's interesting to see what, how people are responding. Yeah, what, else is, uh, what else is uh, happening in the world of – positively different news positively
1: different news well this one um, next one is actually something that the Seventh-day Adventist Church is helping um, to do in Brazil so they're providing free psychological Psychological counseling for people. Um, this is obviously COVID 19, it's a very stressful situation. People are just uncertain about their future and it brings a lot of anxiety and even um, maybe depression, depending on the loss of jobs or even loss of family members. I just can't imagine all the people who have been experiencing loss um, during this time. So this
0: We have a, um, one of our staff members here mm-hmm. in this office who is from Brazil. Oh, wow. And lost gro- both of his grandparents to COVID 19.
1: Oh, and, and, of
0: course, can't travel back and, you know, be with the family or anything like that.
1: Yeah, so there's no closure, really, because no, you can't be there with your family. So this is definitely a time when we need um, more help um, in terms of mental health and just encouragement. And I think the key is just having someone listen to you. That is so important. So this counseling program, um, it's actually called a Vito Amigo or friendly ear um, as it's translated and this is really to support people in this time of crisis and um, so these are actually professional people about 45 professionals who are just volunteering their time so again they're not paid for this this is just something that they want to do out of their own heart and they've been able to help more than 2,000 people who are just calling in um, wanting help wanting someone to listen to what they're going through and um, it's not just about of course, people talk about whatever they're going through, but there is that opportunity to talk about spiritual things as well, and because that's what people question during these uncertain times. How, where does God fit Absolutely. into the
0: picture? Absolutely, yeah. I, I don't know about you, Joel, but I've found that people have been just so much more open mm. to talk about spiritual things. Absolutely. In recent months, I mean, we've just gone from one crisis to the next to the next, and you wonder what's going to be the next one. You know, once once the race riots are over, what's next? Yeah. You know, if we're going to follow the pattern of the last eight to twelve months, then. It's going to be continuous, mm. which is, um, yeah, I guess in many ways it's a bit of a, a sign of the times, sign that Jesus is coming back soon. Definitely.
1: Um, So this counseling program really enables people to have, I guess, healthy tools to deal with uncertainty, which may still come, as you mentioned. Well, there was this one girl, her name is Jessica, and she's a 25-year-old beauty professional, and um, she had really been struggling with panic and anxiety attacks and even depression. And of course, um, private counseling was not something that she could afford at all. But when she heard about this um, free counseling program, she grab the opportunity and she was saying even after her first appointment she just breathed easier. Um, So again just a testimony to having someone listen to you is so key and with each session she began to feel so much better, she had that emotional support that she really needed and um, again this counseling program just provides an opportunity for you to talk about anything and as she was just um, talking about her life she really felt that In this emotional crisis, she needed to turn to God, and the professionals there were so great encouraging her, and she actually turned back to God and wants to start having Bible studies again, and she just encourages other people to find someone that you can talk to, and I think that's something that you and I can do. Um, We have friends, we have family members who just need a listening ear every now and then, so may that be our desire to help someone in need.
0: Yes, absolutely. And if you know of somebody who is in need today, then give them a call, give them an encouragement, and just stop and have a prayer with them. You know, most people will always appreciate it when you have a prayer with them. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to go to our interview of the day where we have our weekly segment from David Haupt dealing with emotional health. David, it's good to have you on the phone this morning. And David, uh, joining us here on the interview is. Somebody that you may have met. In fact, somebody from your country. So Joel is joining us this morning.
1: Oh, it's good to hear your voice too. And
0: good morning,
2: too.
0: morning to your listeners as well. There you go. So that, I assume, was Afrikaans there. So yes, a couple of uh, fellow Africans this morning. Um, always good to have having a bit of a South African takeover here on Faith FM. It's a good good thing. Good to have our African friends here. (laughs) We have been talking about the pressures that uh, COVID has placed on relationships uh, during the lockdown. One of the stories that I was just talking about here a moment ago was the increase of alcohol consumption. Australian National University pointing out that 20% of the population increased, significantly increased their alcohol consumption during lockdown. And... uh, some of the research pointing out that women were doing it to relax, de-stress, reward themselves, and men from boredom. What's going on here?
2: Well, we've got a, a problem in Australia. We've got a problem in in the wider world, but especially in Australia, and that is that alcohol is so freely reached to and to used. Uh, what's very interesting that when we look at mental health, that males especially will experience emptiness when they are uh, going through depression and therefore would uh, self-medicate where you'll find that females reward themselves with alcohol. But the, the sad thing is that alcohol is, in actual fact, not an antidepressant. It is a depressant. It further suppresses the central nervous system. And while it would lift the individual temporarily uh, from out of their depressed mode, it actually drops them further down um, the, the the further impact of that is that as it drops them down, they will have to use now more frequently and more in quantity in order to try and lift them. But they will never reach that point of euphoria of of feeling good again. It uh, and, and this is where the addictions eventually starts to take control and control the entire life.
0: And this is one of the uh, issues that the Australian National University pointed out was that it was actually causing a vicious cycle. So when you talk about using it as an antidepressant and it causing depression, then really what we're talking about is a vicious cycle, which you know, basically spirals people deeper and deeper and deeper into depression as they try and work their way out.
2: Yeah, very true. And, you know, in the past, we looked at alcohol abuse as the male problem. But what we now see more and more coming to the fore is that it's becoming uh, the female. Women can actually start to outdrink the males. And as men and women compete for this position, where does it leave our children? Mm. The next and, generation.
0: Well, this is one of the thing. another issue that the Australian National University brought out is that for women during COVID, um, let me just pull up the stats here. Their caregiving rose by 2.3% across the nation, and so this is obviously a result of having children at home. So their caregiving yep. rose, and their rate of alcohol use – was outstripping the rate of alcohol use you know it was the highest abusers of alcohol during COVID were women rather than men so that really these these recent statistics are really bearing out exactly what you're saying here
2: so while the research also indicates that women are drinking in order to to celebrate they are actually under lockdown with their children placed under more stress and, and therefore are trying to alleviate that stress by the use of alcohol, which shuts down the frontal lobe of their brain because that's the first area of the brain that it will impact. And therefore, the quality of caregiving goes down and the connection with their children diminishes.
0: Okay, so let's talk about men for a moment then because with men, their rate of caregiving uh, nationwide during COVID lockdown rose by 1.8%, which is uh, um, significantly less than that which um, affected women. But men whose caregiving rate went up drank less. It was men who found themselves with nothing to do whose whose rate went up in, in the use of alcohol.
2: Exactly. So in other words, um, people that have less to do return instead of using other more practical coping skills uh, to cope with the stress that that COVID has uh, provided Um, instead of focusing on on that they rather turn to alcohol as a form of of self-medication but men that had a more positive outlook and therefore cared more about their children and their caregiving actually drank less
0: So with with the increase of drinking, you know, by parents during COVID, you, you've got an increase of drinking and you've got the children at home at the same time. What does this do to the children long term? Are we Do alcoholics create alcoholics or do alcoholics create children who reject alcohol?
2: The... It's very interesting that uh, children that grow up in an alcoholic home can turn out to either become alcoholics. Between 30 to 50 percent chance of a child growing in in that up in that environment will turn out to become alcoholics. But then you find that certain young people growing up in the same environment with their siblings. Becoming alcoholics, that you, you will find certain ones that actually make a deliberate choice that uh, they have seen enough of what alcohol does to the family home and therefore deliberately choose not to go that route. In other words, I, I, And and this is the interesting part even of trauma, that people being exposed to exactly the same scenario. You can find that some become paralyzed by that scenario. Others become energized and they actually turn out to become uh, people that make positive lifestyle changes for their next generation.
0: Okay, so we need to know what the key is to grow from these hard circumstances rather than be paralysed by them? What's the difference between these? What are some of the key differences between these two uh, responses and and, and groups of people in the way that they respond?
2: So normally we learn from our uh, our parents uh, or from a very positive adult in our life. Um, but research shows that you do not necessarily need a positive adult to make a choice for something better. Having a negative parent is sufficient to choose the opposite that 's number one number two, having positive role models in your life is is a huge. Um, catalyst for change, a, a role model that actually will demonstrate something better to you. But thirdly, having meaning in your life, and here I'm referring to spirituality, those that have a spiritual impact in the life and uh, it can, in actual fact, change the, the, the trajectory of their life. Making a decision that I actually want to live my life with purpose, and direction, and here having a personal relationship, I believe, with God makes that uh, tremendous change. In my own family, uh, my wife and her siblings grew up in a home of an alcoholic parent, and um, none of them turned out to become alcoholics because of their connection with God and the role that spirituality played in their life. They very early made a decision that alcohol will not be the source that they will turn to when they hit a crisis. They actually chose for a more practical, more deliberate action in their life taken in order to undo those stresses and bring about change for themselves, for their future.
0: So I come from a family that um, is three generations alcohol-free. So I can trace it back, three generations where, you know, my generation, my... Father's generation, my grandparents' generation, none of them ever, ever touched alcohol. Um, How positive is that then for my children, for my grandchildren?
2: Epigenetics is what the term that we're referring to here now. It is the influence, it is the way that our um, switches in our chromosomes are switched on and off, the way that you live actually will influence not only your children nor your only just your grandchildren but your great-grandchildren so the positive choices that a parent makes will actually have a far-lasting impact and we see this found already in Exodus chapter 20 uh, verse 5 where it says that, that God will visit the iniquities of the father to the third and the fourth generation so how uh, is there any chance for a child growing up in that environment if to the third and the fourth generation the negative impact will be carried through? Yes, it lies in the completion of that text because it says that God will visit the iniquities of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation of those that hate him. And then the next verse says, but show mercy to thousands that love Him, keep his commandment. In other words, A family that actually chooses to institute a personal relationship with God in their children's lives actually can bring about complete change for the future generations and can change that epigenetical chain that um, a life of psychopathology actually has instituted.
0: It's fantastic. I mean, this is a passage written three and a half thousand years ago, and you know, we're finding it through modern science that this is exactly how things operate. David, we were talking about relationships last week. We've got a lot of people coming out of lockdown. They've spent, you know, a considerable amount of time locked up together in each other's company. We've seen this increase of, of uh, alcohol use. Um, for those who ha- are coming out of lockdown and are finding that their alcohol consumption is, you know, considerably higher than what it was before lockdown what steps should they take now to you know, to rectify their life?
2: Well, I'm so glad you asked me this question because I would like to ask those listeners of yours that have turned to alcohol as a means of coping, what does that alcohol do to them? What are they requiring the alcohol to do for them? Because what they will find is that alcohol, in actual fact, just temporarily... Uh, Decreases the awareness of the stress in their life. But the moment that that alcohol works out of their system, they actually now find that not only is the stress still there, but compounded that with that stress is the additional impact of alcohol. In other words, the, the, the gentleman in his fifties that has become a complete alcoholic, um, has to go back when he wants to break from alcoholism he has to deal with all the issues including the ones that started him off in the first place none of that those problems have gone away so i'd like to suggest to your uh, listeners to ask themselves the question is there a better way outside of alcohol in how I can cope. Turn to someone that they they can ask these questions to, that can help them, that can guide them because there is practical ways in which they can get alcohol-free. And a life alcohol-free is, in actual fact, far better. You're able to deal with with your stresses far better uh, than with alcohol.
0: So here in Australia, we've got the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education who have called on the government to bring in an immediate um, ban on aggressive marketing of alcohol limits on late-night delivery, uh, rapid online delivery, and boost the funding for alcohol and drug services. Does this kind of, in your experience as a counsellor, does prohibition
2: work? (sighs) I believe that um, while the money speaks to government, prohibition doesn't really work. I think a government that really cares about its people will not just focus on harm minimization. And sadly, that is the, the, the um, policy of our government is to minimize the harm. The question is harm to whom? It is not the harm that is done to the individual, but harm done to society and the coffer of the government. So a government that really cares is a government that will look at its citizens and says "Alcohol actually enslaves and whoever is enslaved is addicted, and therefore their lives will never be left free. A government that wants to really help their citizens will actually break free from any form of enslavement, which includes alcohol.
0: David, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're going to have to leave it there because we are out of time. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Question
1: of the day
0: so question of the day time uh what was our question of the day yes well,
1: we've been talking about the day for the uh, principle but is it essential to actually understand it
0: yeah and this is a really interesting question okay so i'm going to take this question really really broad okay and then we're going to narrow it down because i'm going to say that everything in the bible is essential to understand. Joel, do you understand everything in the Bible?
1: Absolutely not.
0: Me either. Does that mean that you and I are lost? No. No. Okay. So let's look at it on the very, very broad perspective. Uh, will there be in he- people in heaven who have never heard of Jesus Christ? The answer to that is yes. The Bible s- describes those people. In Zechariah chapter 13, verse 6, this is, this is taking place in heaven. This is a picture in heaven. Once you'll say unto him, what are these wounds in your hands? He will answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. These are people who are in heaven, never heard of Jesus Christ. Okay, so then is it necessary to be a Christian? to be saved. In other words, is salvational geographical. Now when I say is salvational geographical, does that mean that if you are fortunate enough to be born in a part of the world where you have the opportunity to hear about, hear about Jesus Christ, you have the opportunity for salvation. But if you are unfortunate enough to be born, say, here in Australia 2,000 years ago, where you don't have the opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ, it's like, well, um, too bad, you are lost. Uh-uh. God is not like that, is he? Not at all. Okay, so then we ask the question, if it is not necessary to be a Christian to be saved, why evangelize?
1: That's
0: a good question. Okay, and the answer, the answer to that very, question is that Christianity is not the only way of being saved, but it is the best way of being saved. And because it is the best way of being saved, that's why God says, go out and share the message of Jesus Christ with as many people as you can, because that's the way we're going to get the most people saved. Absolutely. And God is all about saving the most people as possible. All right. Salvation is found in the Bible. There are going to be people who are saved without ever having read the Bible or without ever having heard of Jesus Christ. The Bible gives lots of details. How important are those details? Well, all of those details are important. Let's look at the day for year principle as an example. And uh, let's look at an abuse of the day for year principle and the dangers that misunderstanding the Bible can create. So people are going to study Bible uh, end-time prophecy. And let's say that, you know, it looks like a a common misunderstanding. Seven-year tribulation at the end of time divided into two periods of three and a half years. Now, those two periods of three and a half years are drawn from the 1,260-day prophecy applied as literal days rather than symbolic years. And so when people apply those as literal days rather than symbolic years, then they have the Antichrist reigning during that seven-year period, and they have various events that take place in the three-and-a-half years. They have various events that take place in the second lot of time period. And none of it tells you anything about Jesus Christ, the plan of salvation, God's character, uh, the great controversy or anything otherwise you've got a lineup of you know there's seal plagues and then there's trumpet plagues and then the first lot of three and a half years comes to an end and then there's a a uh, a covenant that is made um, and a covenant that is broken and people that are martyred and you've got while all this is happening on earth you 've got righteous people up in heaven and you've got uh, people on earth who have a second chance. And at that particular point, I'm like, okay, not only is this a Christless doctrine, but it also attacks the character of God. Mm. Because what it is, is if you are lucky enough to be born at a time when you can actually survive through to the seven-year tribulation, then you get a second chance. No other generation for the last 6,000 years has had more than one chance, but that last one does. That attacks the character of God because that shows that God is unjust and Mm. unfair and arbitrary in the things that he does and does not require any reason at all for doing all kinds of just random things at the end of time. Apply the day for your principle and suddenly everything that God is doing has a reason and it has a purpose and it reveals his character.